Strangers creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome. To the B-Team Podcast, 31 Days of Hard Day 12. Welcome, everybody. I am Josh, joined, as always, by my ghost co-host, Mr. Vincent Price. Uh, today, I have two movies for you that, like I said, not all of the pairs actually fit together. Um, I kind of put these two together because they do have some similar themes, and uh, we'll, we'll see if it actually works out. Either way, two really good movies. Uh, the first one is 1978's Martin, with an exclamation point, a.k.a. The Blood Lover, a.k.a. Vampire, spelled with a W-A-M-P-Y-R, which is, of course, the, uh, you know, classical old spelling. Uh, The first vampire movie is with a V, but it's spelled with the A-M-P-Y-R, pretty common of the time. So for anyone who doesn't know, this is a George Romero movie. Uh, I briefly mentioned him, and uh, yeah, there is still another George Romero movie on this list, big hint there. Um, I had said yesterday that Umberto Lenzi's Nightmare City is my second favorite zombie movie, Uh, Well, my first favorite is George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, It still holds up all these years later. It's from 1968. I fully recommend the original, the black and white. And a little trivia there, they forgot to copyright it. So you can actually make your own version of it and put it out for sale tomorrow, or you can just find it in public domain. That's why it shows up in TV shows, horror movies, because it's just incredibly cheap to play it. There are no royalties. Uh, There's tons of different versions of it, different cuts released under different labels. But the classic original, like I said, you can find it right now on YouTube or pretty much any public access channel in the month of October, uh, as well as probably paid cable channels. But anyway, so, you know, Night of the Living Dead put him on the map and it really helped to reinvigorate the horror genre and transition it over to that modern American movement, you know, coming after everything that Hammer did overseas, Amicus was doing. Uh, You have, it's a combination of Night of the Living Dead, Rosemary's Baby, uh, Blood Feast, and um, later it would be Texas Chainsaw really just, you know, drove the point home. Uh, So Martin is something that he did at the same time as Dawn of the Dead. Yes, that is on my list. Spoiler alert. We'll get to that one eventually. Uh, So Romero was from Pittsburgh and... You know, most of his early movies he did on the fly. They're considered independent movies. And he just would use friends and family, local townspeople. And uh, this is the first one that he did with Tom Savini. So, like I said, technically, this one comes before uh, Dawn of the Dead, which, of course, Tom Savini did the effects on, and he's in. Um, But the way that it was released, this one was released later. Uh, I believe Martin was shot something like a weekend, like three days, and had absolutely no budget. Um, If anyone doesn't know this movie, it's highly recommended, but probably hard to find. Uh, There's some kind of crazy rights issue in in the United States anyway. 
you can find a DVD and it'll cost you probably about like 80 bucks or more. Uh, there is no Blu-ray as of yet. You can get bootlegs or you can, you know, find a VHS transfer on something like YouTube. It might be on Tubi. I'm not sure. Uh, I right now have a DVD copy and, um, I'm, I'm waiting for that Blu-ray. So I know the UK definitely just got a Blu-ray release or they had the announcement of one. And I saw that, got excited, and then realized, oh, Region 2, not us. Uh, so anyway, the movie follows Martin, who might or might not be a vampire. Uh, it's kind of a American psycho of its day. Uh, Martin is this creepy bastard who follows and stalks women uh, then he drugs them, sometimes has his way with them, uh, and then basically cuts them open, drinks their blood, and leaves them for dead, or they end up dying in the process. But while this is happening, while he's having his impulses to go stalking, or, you know, he's being perceived that he's being threatened, people are after him, um, he keeps having these black-and-white romanticized visions of as if he was like a fictional vampire in a classic gothic vampire movie, and that's the way that he perceives the world. Uh, so it starts with him on a train, and he's up to no good, and uh, when he gets off the train, after doing something nefarious, we'll say, uh, he is picked up by one of the best characters ever, and that is Tata Kuda, who I believe is like his uncle or his cousin. I'm not quite sure what the familial relation is, uh, he's definitely blood-related, and he's a much older person, so I guess he would be like an uncle or a great-uncle. Um, and he has a granddaughter named Christina, who becomes possibly the love interest, but more you think like, you know, the eventual target. Because in vampire movies, don't forget, there's usually not a final girl so much as a primary target. Um, so Tatakuda is like this old-school... Romanian guy, uh, they're, I believe, Lithuanian or something, um, and he's, he's super devout religious, and he believes in, you know, all the old world mysticism, uh, and he just outright calls Martin a vampire, he openly refers to him as Nosferatu, so he's, like, feeding his delusion, but then at the same time, he believes it, um, he doesn't have immediate evidence of Martin and his crimes, but he has his suspicions, and he's just kind of an asshole, except to his granddaughter, uh, and he warns him from day one, he says, if you kill anybody and I find out about it, I will drive a stake through your heart. Um, so we follow Martin, and he's just kind of adjusting to this new lifestyle, living in the town under these strict rules of, you know, don't go out and kill anybody. Uh, he's not adhering to that too, too well. He ends up meeting a couple people where he could potentially end up in an actual romantic relationship. Uh, one is a married housewife he begins an affair with. Uh, another one is someone who might or might not also be a crazy person like him. And then there's the question of, well, is he a vampire or is he turning into one? Is he trying to, does he believe vampires exist? Because Martin keeps saying that there, there is no magic in the world. Everything just is what it is. Um, then there's the tenuous relationship between him and Christina, her trying to intervene in the main family and its plot line. And, uh, everything just really comes to a head. And you're left with an ending that is equally satisfying uh, and possibly confusing. And it's basically, it's up to you to decide what happened and are you okay with that outcome? And I tried to keep that one as spoiler-free as possible. 
Uh, there's a lot of gore. There's some nudity. There's great effects because, of course, you know, Tom Savini. Uh, and it's definitely Romero's most, I don't know, street level, um, low brown, but also, you know, it, it's the most story driven one that he's ever done. Uh, it doesn't have a lot to say in terms of he's big on, you know, subtle, but in your face, uh, commentary, satire, a lot of political themes. You know, people have written about how this one, like all the other ones, has all these messages of rejecting, you know, uh, authority, consumerism, yada, yada. They, they said it. Uh, this one is just more straight level, street level and straight focus. Um, so our next one comes from 1972. It's called Daughters of Satan. Uh, this one did just get a Blu-ray release. I don't remember who put it out. I apologize. Uh, I know it's just the standard cover art, so it could be anyone from Scream Factory to Kino Lorber to, you know, Warner Entertainment or something like that. Uh, the reason why this movie ended up on my radar, besides the cover, which is, of course, a gothic horror-looking movie by way of the 70s in a, uh, you know, accentuated drawing mural of witches whipping and burning people or they're burning and someone's being whipped and I said okay I can get behind that uh this one stars Tom Selleck yes Tom Selleck Magnum P.I. or as Justin would know him Richard from Friends uh, he was in a horror movie and it is glorious uh and yes he does have the mustache uh this is one that takes place in Manila um, so I haven't really talked about these because, you know, mostly they're not horror movies or they're not pure horror movies. Uh, so they, they haven't really factored in, but there are a ton of mostly women in prison exploitation movies shot and set in the Philippines because they were cheap. They all have like the same cast, pretty much the same plot line, all shot around the same time period. Uh, they have a very distinct look to them. And, um, like I said, they haven't really come up, but this one was definitely shot in the Philippines. Uh, the director was Hollingsworth Morse, and he was a character in the original Little Shop of Horrors. He was the, uh, shopkeeper, Mushnick, and because that was a Roger Corman film, he basically was in that Roger Corman orbit, and like most people, if you hang around Roger Corman back in the day and have some good ideas and keep your head down, uh, you'll end up in charge of a movie, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, beyond that, I think he did, like, more television stuff, and I, I think this was his last movie, and easily his best movie. Um, so this one is about a witch's coven, led by a super exaggerated dominatrix Satanist, um, who is not American, and she's dubbed, and she has a really, really hard to understand accent. Um, it's also beautiful, of course, and this one features a model slash actress, Bara Grant, and this was apparently, you know, one of the first movies that she did, and there's nudity, and there's all this other horrible stuff, so she basically had to hide it from her parents, um, so she is Tom Selleck's character's wife, her name is Chris, and they are in the Philippines, and they find a painting where one of three witches being burned looks exactly like her. And they take it home and they think like, oh, this is so cool. Well, things start to 
disappear from the painting, uh, appear in the painting in different places, and they start to think maybe there's more going on here than meets the eye. So she is slowly seduced by these modern-day witches who might also be possessed by their uh, 16, 1500 counterparts. Um, and what happens is, I'll give you the spoiler on this one because the hook is good. And we're back, sorry, uh, the wife was calling. So I, I was saying that um, the, the witches in the painting, she's seduced by the witches. Uh, it turns out that Tom Selleck is the descendant of one of the conquistadors who tried, convicted, and burned these witches. And now they are trying to possess their descendants, or reincarnations, I guess, to go after, you know, his descendant and uh, mete out their justice. Uh, it's got some ridiculous over-the-top scenes. It's got Tom Selleck punching multiple women. Um, there are car chases, explosions, midgets, pretty much everything that you could find in a movie shot in the Philippines in this time period, and it's incredible. Uh, so that's Daughters of Satan. There's a lot of movies like that title. Again, I don't remember who put it out. Um, if you're looking for the cover, the poster, it is a white background, and it's like this stylized, basically, painting of the witches, and one of them has a whip. Uh, so yeah, those are our two movies for today. The theme that I came up with, like I said, I didn't really have one. Uh, it was something between, you know, destiny and it's in their nature. There's a lot of especially familial things where people are, are kind of pushed into these supernatural horror things that seem to go across bloodlines and legacies. Um, you know, you can't, can't escape your past or where you came from, I guess, something like that. So Anyway, um, more to the honorable mentions. Yesterday, you know, we did the Italian movies. Uh, an Italian honorable mention, I'll tell you, because it didn't make the list. Like I said, Last House on the Left did not make the list. Uh, so Italian Last House on the Left, or Last House on the Left 2, the Night Train Murders, uh, did not make the list. It's a very good movie, intense movie. I think it's actually better than Last House on the Left. Uh, I think the train aspect really helps it. But, you know, there's only so many movies that I could get to, and it just, I couldn't justify it as being 100% pure horror, uh, and I just couldn't make it work. So, there you go. Uh, another movie that features a haunted painting that doesn't make the list, and I actually, I'm pretty sure it's from the 70s, if not, it's, it's from the very early 80s, uh, would be The House with Laughing Windows. Uh, it's a great Italian movie doesn't make the list. Just missed it. So there you go.